Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, guys. I'm Jade Iovine, and I host Tell Me About It, the podcast that is the antithesis of a success story podcast, where we leave things like girl boss energy and lucky breaks at the door and instead celebrate and commiserate about all the things that make us human. This is the podcast manifestation of those conversations you have with your best friend at 4 a.m., We have all kinds of women from all different walks of life, like Gwen Stefani, Steph Shep, Amanda Knox, Lala Kent, Raven Simone, and JoJo. Listen to Tell Me About It with Jade Iovine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Carrie Bennett, and I was the costume designer on The Office. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Office Deep Dive. I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Today, yes, you just heard it, I am bringing on a very important guest. Without her, there would be no mustard-colored shirts, no cat-embroidered sweaters, no, well, no sumo suits. That's right. Today's guest is the one and only Carrie Bennett costume designer extraordinaire for The Office. You guys, nobody committed like Carrie Bennett. Nobody. For costume research, she called up, hunted down, scouted a real-life paper company just to nail the looks. And, and, And it is not like she had all the money in the world. No, she had a tiny budget, but many, many JCPenney suits. Now, Some people may think that The Office was just, how hard could that be? It's just suits and ties and maybe a little awkward haircuts. No, Carrie made sure every character was was individual. They had their own look, whether it was Phyllis's purple tops or Michael's bizarre ties or Dwight's aviator glasses. Personally, I was a little too aware that Kevin never, ever, ever took off his jacket, even when playing basketball. But hey, that's Carrie. So without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to our amazing costume designer, Carrie Bennett. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning Left over from the night before Well, there she is. <laughs> right. Carrie, how are you? It's so good to see you. <laughs> Likewise. Oh, my gosh. How are you? I mean, I'm doing good. I'm great. Everybody's healthy on your end. 
Yeah, yeah. We've somehow evaded any kind of cooties. <laughs> nice. Very good. Avoiding cooties are good, especially after two years. I don't even know how it's oh, possible. Right? Yeah. Just just one day at a time. One day at a time. That's right. So you and I, oh my gosh, this is so amazing because in preparation to talk to you, I remember so many of our conversations back in, what do you call it? A tra- the trailer? The the costume trailer? Is that right? Yeah. We had like a, like a trailer in the parking lot. A trailer in the parking that lot. That was our headquarters. It was. Yeah, it's, it's maximum glamour. Well, that's television, <laughs> right? Everybody thinks that it's glamorous, but it's really not. Is that is that what you dreamed of when you were a child? That that kind of glamour in television. Um so I saw because well, I researched you. I've got a team re- researching you. There's so many people researching you. You went oh my gosh. to Cal Arts. I did. Which I know what Cal Arts is. So I assume at an early age you were interested in the arts. Now was costume design what you wanted to do early on? Yeah, you know, actually, my undergrad degree is in dance. Oh, and <laughs> during that time, I worked in the costume shop, and I, I always sewed. I just always like crafty, and I had a teacher there that was like, "You have the best energy for working in television." She planted that seed, and um, so when I graduated as a dancer. And had like injuries all the time. And I was like, is this my life? Is this what I'm going to do? I'm going to be in physical therapy forever. Um, and I, I, you know, I had sort of like this little bit of a costume base that I had been doing right. costumes for dance productions and stuff. And I put together the most hilarious, lame portfolio. Like anybody out there who wants to be a costume designer <laughs> should look at my portfolio because I didn't know how to draw at that point. Um, but I, I just put it out there and I, I got in to CalArts as a grad student. And, um, oh my God, it was the best thing I ever did. It was so great. I, I learned all the stuff. They have an amazing theater program there. Right. And um, just gave me the confidence to be like, oh, you know what I'm talking about. And now I can draw and I can, I can sew and design concepts. And here we go. Right. So you were a dancer who had designed costumes for dance recitals is that what you that's the word right (laughs) recitals and then you were like i'm gonna make a change you do a portfolio you apply to cal arts get in as a costume designer is that is that what you got in you got in as that and you didn't know how to draw barely right this sounds like every single person's (laughs) journey on the office everybody (laughs) who got on the office actually didn't know what they were doing in a traditional (laughs) sense before it happened. (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is like, there's a long journey between that and getting on the office though, for sure. Right. No, I know that. I just, I joke because, well, there's so many people, right? So Claire Scanlon, our editor had never edited scripted television before. Randall Einhorn, (laughs) Matt Sohn, they had never shot, not even to speak of directing scripted television before. Phyllis, who was not an actor when she started right. on the show. Oh my gosh. I mean, so that, that, I don't know that theme, there's something 
there's something but, there, I think. Well, you know what? And here, yes. And I know what it is, actually. What that is, is the fear of not being able to pull it off and the earnestness of like getting it right. Like, okay, I, I got, I was given this job. I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I, I feel like that, that incredible earnestness we all had for wanting it to be authentic and right. to really, you know, get the details right and stuff. Like, I, I mean, I can say it now as a, you know, I, I still strive for that, but like I'm older and, you know, <laughs> I <don't, laughs> I've done it. Right. And I, I don't know that I dig that deeply into it. I mean, my, the preparation and the research that I did to accomplish my work on the office is legendary <laughs> in okay. my career. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> now I really want to hear about that, but I want to, I want to start where you and my relationship started. Not that I worked on the show, but I, we discussed a lot about it. <laughs> you were the designer on scrubs for a long period of time. Yeah, I find that so interesting because the characters on Scrubs are very easily identifiable by their wardrobe. However, they're all wearing Scrubs, right? Yeah. I mean, most of them are all wearing the same thing. And so, you know, in leading up to the office, not that that was your, not that that was your rehearsal, but I find it very interesting that you were able to find unique looks based in character for people who were largely wearing the same thing. Can you talk to me a little bit about Scrubs and your experience there? God, you are, you're amazing. You've done your research. Thank you so much for, for recognizing that because yeah, that is where the real magic comes from. And that is where my research is 100% the golden ticket there because on Scrubs, I went with our director, Adam Bernstein on the pilot. We went to a hospital downtown in downtown LA. Okay. It's, it's kind of a little bit of a scary, um, <laughs> the scary hospitals. And we had a tour and um, I wasn't allowed to take photographs, but I had my little notepad there. And I mean, I just, I just drank it in. Because I never assume that I know what I'm talking about. Because I feel like that's where it looks cheesy. Like, right. oh, doctors wear this. But I, there were so many details that I gleaned from that. And so many characters that I witnessed and saw them working and saw their little details and saw, you know, like the Doug character that I saw a guy like wearing a fanny pack with his water bottle attached to it. He had like his, <laughs> his personal gear Right. You know, not like his works, like his stethoscope and stuff like that. But he had like his personal, like he was like a commando yeah, like in a the survivalist ER. You know, he's like, slash, yeah. Yeah. Like he had his stuff. And I thought that was fascinating. And so that, that to me, that is like, I consider that the bulk of my work is getting into the nitty gritty and taking those pictures. If I can take pictures, I'm constantly taking pictures of people on the street. I'm sorry, everybody out there. I'm sneaking a picture of you. <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my grandma taught me how to do that. Like she, she was a, a painter and she one time taught me at the airport. She's like, Oh, see those cute ladies over there. I'm going to paint them. But first I need to get a photograph of them. And here's how you do that. You put your camera down at your hip and you aim it at them and you look the other direction and you take a picture. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, let me tell you something. I can speak from personal experience. I know 
now that they're taking a picture. That, right. Well, see, now that, it's different. It sounds creepy now, right? But I mean, the thing is, like, as far as research goes, like, that's the thing. And it's just because I truly want to honor the, the special mojo that that person has. Like, I want to get those details right because that's what really makes a difference. And that's what really shows when everyone's wearing scrubs or when everyone's wearing suits and ties. Right. Like, how do you make that look different? Like, how do you, you know, that's. That's the real challenge. You know, I was thinking about it last night, <laughs> not to go too deeply personal, but my, my dad was a doctor and worked at a, at a hospital, research hospital. And so as a kid, I thought, oh, this is what doctors wear, right? Like he had slacks, button down shirt, tie, and his white lab coat. And so like my brain as a child went, oh, that's, that's what doctors wear. Right. And then <laughs> later on, and I was thinking about this last night, I realized like, no, that's not exactly what all doctors wear. <laughs> right. This is what my yeah. dad wore and what he wore and how he dressed affect people's impression of him, who he was mm -hmm. as a character. Because even in that uniform, I think to your point, like there is an individuality and you're either delivering a message or a message is sent based on, on what you're yeah. wearing. But I think, you know, really what's interesting for, for me is that it sounds like for you, it's about character, right? So the, the wardrobe is defined by, by that, right? And that's in collaboration with the writer. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the whole process. And it's funny, like, I just want to clarify, like, I, because I, I, this is so random. This never happens to me. It probably happens to you all the time. But a fan approached me at a restaurant. I was like, I never, <laughs> it never happens to me. But we had a conversation about the office and doing costumes for it. And he was like, Oh, so you did the Jim's three hole punch costume for Halloween and the Ben Franklin thing. And I was like, no, 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 no. Every single thing that every single person wears is designed and it's thought through from the reading of the script, right. figuring out who those people are, what their backstory is. There's input from the producers. There's input from the writers. There's input from the directors. And of course, the most important, incredible input is from the actor who's thinking it through, like how they want to do it. So I, I've always thought of myself as sort of like the filter like I take in all that information and filter it down to something that makes sense quickly. As soon as you see those characters on the screen, you have to sort of get a feeling of who they are, where they shot. I mean, their clothing is what broadcasts where they're coming from, kind of. Right. You know, and, and yet you don't want it to broadcast too much. You don't want it to be like, oh, you know, you want it to, to be subtle. Right. So, so yeah, so it's, it's all that. Well, and I think on Scrubs on The Office as well, right, there's, um, well, specifically The Office, it's about creating real people and sort of a, a reality. So, yeah, it's not about indicating certain things. It's about sort of getting at the essence. Okay, so getting into yeah. The Office. So I read, I didn't remember this. You started working on The Office during a, a hiatus of Scrubs. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I did the two shows for four years. I did the, I did both shows at the same time, which in retrospect was insanity. Ins yes. that, <laughs> how could you possibly do? I mean, 
<laughs> Scrubs is not a small cast show either, by the way, oh, no. in case no, you no. didn't remember. Uh, there were a lot of characters there. Um, we had, what, 16, 18, 20? I don't know how many people you were wardrobing on a weekly basis. Oh, like so many. It was a lot. And it was completely fueled by... I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Starbucks. (laughs) It was, you know, it just worked out perfectly. It was such that like our studio was there in the valley and Scrubs was kind of you know, a few blocks away and they're literally, I like, I'm not kidding. There was a Starbucks in between and I would just go back and forth all day long. I would stop at Starbucks, grab a coffee, read my script. I don't remember ever sleeping. Right. I'm sure not. <laughs> I, was, I think I was doing 70 hour weeks on both shows. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's just not possible. That it's is so not insane. Okay. <laughs> It's a hard time for hiring, so you need a hiring partner built for hard times. That's Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Offer valid through March 31st. Go to Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. Indeed.com slash Office Deep Dive. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when you started work on The Office, it's not everybody in Scrubs, right? But it's everybody in business attire. What was your process for trying to, again, give some specificity and individuality to the characters there through what would, on the outside, again, being like, oh, this is just what you wear to work? Yeah. Well, once again, I started my whole process like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I've never worked in an office myself. 
So I just, and it's like, you know, it's going back to that thing. It's like a little bit of fear. Like, how am I going to get this right? So I always start my research, like trying to get myself on the ground somewhere where I can immerse myself and see what it really looks like. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I talked to the ladies on the office ladies. They had never heard the story. They had no idea. I found a, a paper company in Glendale here, my next little town over. And I invited myself over there. I spoke to the owner and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this show. I'm researching. Right. Would it be okay if I came over and just chatted with you and just, you could just give me a tour. And I got there and Oh my God, Brian, it was beyond amazing. It was so awesome. All the characters were there. All the look of it was there. It was stunning. And it had some similarities to the, the UK version. Right. Like they had that fish on the wall, that fish on the plaque. That oh, yeah, talks. yeah, yeah. That, that, they had that. And I was like. Billy <laughs> yeah, Big like, Mouth <gasps> Bass or something. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So they were so wonderful and kind and let me take pictures. And I talked to everybody in there and got such an incredible vibe from it. I took a thousand pictures. I put them in a little slideshow. I put a little music to it, little uh, welcome to the working week. (laughs) And I brought it back and I showed uh, Greg and he was like, what is this? Where is this? You will take me back here. (laughs) You will take me to this place. Wow. So we went back. We went with our DP and we went with our production designer and we all went back there and filmed everything. And I think started a relationship with them. Like we used all of their paper products. It was just such a vibe. And I think they still exist. I actually saw their truck the other day. Oh, <laughs> I really? don't want to say their name because I don't, yeah, I saw their truck I don't out on know the street. if yeah. we can or not, but that's amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And so that's what gives me a touchstone. Like I referred back to those pictures so many times, like when, I don't know, when I was tired and I was like trying to figure out my umpteenth character, like new person coming in that had to be a regular person, but had to be different than the last regular person. Right. You know, it's like I had that little touchstone that I could go back to and go like, oh yeah, remember that little detail or the way they wore their pants or when I first went, it was like their casual Friday. Okay. Um, And the guy there that was my Dwight inspiration, he was wearing like a, a t-shirt with a wolf on it that day really? that I went and I was like, Oh, I see oh, you. That I... is amazing. Oh, I, yeah. No, was, I did so not good. know this. That is so incredible. <laughs> but that's see, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like back in the day, like that's that, like that stemmed from like sort of my fear of not getting it right. Right. So I was like, I gotta like get some concrete visuals and that's insane. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, that's exactly <laughs> what John Krasinski did too. Right. I mean, that's literally exactly what he did. He was in New York. I mean, he lived in New York and was like, well, Scranton's only two hours away. I guess I should go see it. <laughs> and he went to pen paper there and started talking to the people who worked at the paper company there. I didn't know that. Yeah, that he went to. That's so amazing. I didn't do that. I didn't go to a paper company. <laughs> to be clear, I didn't. I didn't do that. Um, but I. But I find that really interesting. That that a real person, yeah, inspired that. I mean, Dwight's a great example, right? Like 
in on the one yeah. hand it's work attire but those mustard shirts mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know almost gives it i don't even know that i've ever articulated this before but almost a militaristic look in a weird way yeah. that color and very straight lace yeah. that's interesting well and too like a lot of his look you know another thing that i really dedicated myself to was shopping where these people would shop oh yes like that's the trickiest thing in hollywood because like there's so much magic that goes into like just a basic t-shirt you know like they're cut every different magical way with magical fabric to make actors look amazing but i was like you know what we need to shop where people shop and so i did a lot of jc penny which i don't know if they still do it but at the time it is amazing deal where you could get if you were like a working guy you'd go and get your suit outfit there and it would have a suit a shirt a tie a belt and maybe the socks yeah, the socks and it was like a whole one price like a 100 bucks and i was like that is so awesome like that's that's exactly what i would do if i was this guy working in an office i would go like get my three suit outfits and and right. be all set well they had those amazing colored suits like the olive green and ochre and the sort of putty color and it just started to make a story for me and yeah i don't know i just ran with it and it just suited him so well and it yeah it did have kind of like a little we always toyed with the fact that he that he was kind of enamored with military or sort of german heritage and like (laughs) yeah (laughs) How much how much did you collaborate with Rain on Dwight? Oh my gosh. He was so good at giving specific input. And and he was always the one that would call me and go, "Hey, I think I wear a hat in this episode. Could it be this or like what do you think about this?" Or he always had some kind of really great insight and then we would just kind of hash it out together like would this work or this let's try this and um yeah he's tuned in to the subtleties and thinking about it and yeah always had a special take on it yeah so really fun and easy to collaborate with yeah i you know what's so funny you just said that i remember we had a big deal with the hat you and I, because <laughs> it was Kevin when his band got established and we were looking for something that would be like, this is what, this is like the cape, right? Of a superhero. This is what he puts on when he's in the band. And we had this hat and I think we both loved this hat and it was there early on. And then the hat vanished. I don't know if you remember this, the hat left it went away like we don't no one knows ever where it went and so then it was like this whole thing and i'm sure i was such a pain in the ass i was like we were <laughs> look you guys brought in like 75 hats and i was like no no it's not that it has to be because it was like oh you mean wait are you saying like it got lost like it actually it got, got like lost. We it yes got it, lost? like it vanished oh it was like it went away and, you know, we didn't do the the Scrantonicity stuff that often. So, you know, I don't remember how long it had been. It had been a year. It had been whatever. And I know mm. everybody keeps everything and it's all documented, but somehow this hat vanished. Is that so crazy? Yeah, there was a big deal about that. Um, but I remember 
for Kevin, and you and I talked a lot about this at the time, that on a tradition, let's just call it a traditional sitcom, there is a way that Kevin would have been wardrobed, right? And it probably would have included food on his clothes, uh, very messy, <laughs> slovenly, like not able to keep his shirt tucked in, like various things. And, you know, well, one of the things that I'm really proud of about the show is that we were really trying to create real people. And within that, there are there are contradictions within what you would expect and and, you know, what's mm-hmm. written on the page and what the actual person would do. And I remember you and I, we spent a lot of time look, it wasn't like he was going to Saks or Barney's <laughs> or Neiman Marcus, but it was like, no, he's going to make his best effort. And yeah. things might be a little off. Um, we explored a little bit early on. I don't know if you remember with his tie being a little bit shorter than it should be, mm-hmm. um, but that he was always doing his best effort. And so much so that I was like, he wants to be put together. And one of the things we talked about was Kevin always wore his jacket. Yeah. Like for him, that was again, like that was at work, you wear your jacket and you keep things together. And there were things that I at least thought were really funny that came out of that little character thing. One of which was, well, the basketball episode in the first season where he's (laughs) making shot after shot and he's still wearing his coat. He's still wearing his tie is not loosened. And, you know, yeah. some of that stuff, obviously, <laughs> depending on context, got got looser over time. But, yeah, that it was about – it was a guy who was really putting his best effort forward. And it may not yeah. look beautiful or whatever, but that we didn't go for the cheap joke. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. It's the earnestness that's so sweet and endearing. And I never want any of my research subjects to feel like – they are being made fun of. That is, is never my intention. My intention is to get to the heart of what makes somebody tick. And that to me is so delicious and adorable about every human being. We all have those things, our weird little idiosyncrasies. That's the thing that you have to find in each character. And, and, the vulnerability and I, I just keep coming back to the, the, the earnestness, the earnestness that Kevin wore his, his jacket, you know? And, and um, I think that's what makes characters really endearing. I think if you go for like the cheap, like, Oh, he's this, he's kind of, he's a mess and he's got chili on his tie. Right. It's so obvious that you kind of don't, it doesn't endear you to, to the character. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's really worth finding those little things and holding that line like that's that's the real challenge. It's so funny because I've had to defend my I guess defend my work at, at times when I've had interviews with people like what costumes are there on the office? And I'm like, uh, hold on. <laughs> you don't know these guys like these are some of the hottest actors in Hollywood. They don't show up in this gear. <laughs> I don't know about that. Really? <laughs> I mean, you look pretty slick right now. You have a great looking uh, polo shirt on. And, you know, it was my job to take everyone down a little notch every day and to hold that line. Like, because after the 
first season, everybody wanted to be kind of more fancy and have their better clothing. Not <laughs> and me. And I was like, you know what? Not me, Carrie. <laughs> I stuck with it. I stuck with it. Through thick and thin, I stuck with it. You know, we never we never got more pretty over here. I promise. Well, except except the uh, the wedding where oh. suddenly Kevin has a very like a very legitimately nice suit with fake hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably a rental, you know, yes. and that's when you kind of can <laughs> step things a, up a little bit because your wedding outfits are rentals sometimes. So it's not that's really right. like the stuff you own. <laughs> but yeah, I remember I remember it being I remember it being difficult to find your blazers, your cool blazers that were just yeah. like these kind of textured, kind of frumpy. It was hard to find those. You know, they weren't slick looking. They weren't no. You, know, you always were. <laughs> no, it's hard to find those. <laughs> they weren't, and there. And I, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this in years and years, because I, because I remember being, oh my gosh, I remember being super defensive because there was something with our. Because by the way, guys, in Hollywood here, when you're shooting an episode, and especially The Office, you're wearing the same thing every day for five days. So occasionally these things over the course of just normal hygiene, they have to be cleaned, but they started um, through. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The cleaning process or something or the material they were using, they started shrinking. And, and I would be like, guys, this doesn't fit. And I'm sure everyone's like, okay, Brian, way to go. And I'm like, no, no. And I don't know if you remember, but they would be like the arms would be like three inches short. Like they they were coming up my arm and I would be like, guys, my <laughs> arm's not growing. Like this is not. I mean, yeah. So welcome to my world. This is so funny. I mean, the, the one time Greg Daniels came on our trailer and he looked at how it was all set up with all the closets laying there. And he was like, he looked at Michael Scott and he goes, why does he have? so many of the same suit why does he have like what and i was like oh yeah an episode takes place uh, the story takes place in one day right yes. but it takes us five or six days to shoot that five or six full days to shoot yes. that so yeah stuff happens i mean you go to lunch with your suit on and it gets spaghetti sauce on it or right. i remember um steve like slipped down the stairs of his trailer one time and actually ripped the ripped his suit or sweetie yeah. like he ripped the, the the elbow so that's the thing so we have multiples so like i would never buy and that's what also makes the challenge i'm trying to find these funny nubbly suit coats for you and but also in multiples which was right. really really hard so easy. i think we had for you less because yours were so unique like we had less <laughs> of each one and yeah shit happens like 
and because they're dry cleaned every day. Every day. And yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Oh, that no, stuff I, I have not thought about Ugh. that in so long. I just remember <laughs> being like, well, because it, for me, it was like, it wasn't so much that that happened because I knew some, we would figure something out, but it was like, no, this is not my fault, guys. This is not me. I, my arm didn't grow. <laughs> but maybe it was, maybe it helped your character. Yeah, maybe it did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Glory Adam, host of Well-Read Black Girl. Each week, I sit in close conversation with one of my favorite authors of color and share stories about how they found their voice, honed their craft, and navigated the publishing world and composed some of the most beautiful and meaningful words I've ever read. We journey together through the cultural moment where art, culture, and literature collide and pay homage to the women whose books we grew up reading. And of course, I check in with members of the Well-Read Black Girl Book Club. It's a literary kickback you never knew you needed. And you're all invited to join the club. So tell your friends to tell their friends so we can be friends who love books. Listen to Well-Read Black Girl on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What was the budget like? Oh my god! Okay, let me tell you because <laughs> what was the, what was the budget like, Carrie? It was on this show. tiny, dude. Okay, I at one point I compared it to because my I was doing Scrubs and my regulars on Scrubs were I think I had uh, six to eight regulars right. on Scrubs, and they're pretty much wearing Scrubs. Scrubs. And the Office, I had how many regulars? 20, I don't yeah, know, you I know mean, at a yeah. certain point. I had, this is do the math for a sec. I had $5,000 less a week to spend on the office than I had on scrubs. <laughs> and I had twice <laughs> as many people. And scrubs are not expensive, by the way. Scr- <sighs> actual scrubs. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, so we, so Jennifer Siri and I, she was my, the supervisor back then. Yes. Like, so that position runs the department. Um, she and I would go out to the, um, what are they, I was going to say called the discount malls out to the, um, outlet. Oh my God, what are those called? Outlet, outlet malls? Thank you. The outlet okay. malls. We would take two trips a season. We would do this big drive out to Calabasas, out to the outlet malls, and we would just stock up. And the thing that was great too was that things there were like a little bit, a little dated, a little bit last right. season. I mean, that was kind of my whole concept, anyways, for the overall show was just that it would be a little dated looking because okay. I feel like that also lends a little vulnerability to it. Like we're not we're not super slick and you know we're in the latest latest greatest, right? But yeah, so that's we would just come back with carloads of stuff. On the outlet wall. <laughs> yeah. And then try to make it work and try and, and just rotate, 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 you know, mix and match, and which is what yep. people do. Right. Well, no, that's what people do. <laughs> well, it's funny that you bring up the, the dated concept because, you know, part of why I'm talking to you now and I've talked to so many people is, is really about why the show 
now why it's exploded, why we have more fans now than we did when we were actually shooting. And, you know, one of the things that this is at least my theory about it, a, a documentary by definition can't be dated, right? Like you, you don't watch a documentary on the sixties and be like, Oh, that's dated. Like, no, it's about the sixties. It's about that period of time. So, you know, not having the latest and greatest means that there's never the latest and greatest that can look, um, they, that can look dated or like, Oh, they were pretending or, you know, that it gives anything beyond what it is. Even I feel like this is true that even when we were dressing up for a special occasion, a wedding or whatever, it was all sort of very classically nice Mm -hmm. outfits, right? Not like, you know, the newest trend. Yeah. And I, and I mean, it really was about where I shopped. Like, that's the thing. Like I really, um, I know Jenna, we had a moment where she had to, had to wear jeans for something and she was, and she had, you know, she had done so many other, everybody was doing movies and all kinds of projects and getting all kinds of fancy clothes. And she walked into that fitting and there was like stuff from the gap and stuff from old Navy. And, and, you know, she was used to wearing, you know, fancy, fancy (laughs) stuff that cost maybe two to $400. (laughs) And she was like, Oh, 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 <laughs> I was like, I know, I know, I know, but we're holding the line. I, mean, I feel like that line. was, I was like the, I was like the warrior holding the line. I'm like, we gotta keep it real. Like we gotta, it's, it's what this person would do. And, and it informs, it informs how you feel when you wear, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you're all wearing like these super, super jeans, you're gonna strut. And that's mm-hmm. not, that character it's the same like the shoes make a huge difference you don't ever see shoes on a tv show but like it really makes a big difference i'm sorry angela kinsey because she had to wear (laughs) she had to wear those nursey those spongy nurse shoes all the time but that it informs so much about how you feel and how you act that is so true i'm gonna tell you a little secret right now I, this is, this, this is probably crazy. This is definitely actor nerdy, but if there were times and there are times on a, on a television set, right? You come in, but you're not on camera for whatever reason, you know, you're there to do a scene with someone else, but you shot your side before lunch and they're not going to see you. And so you still need to be there or whatever. I always put on my shoes. Always always when i'm playing a character i always put on the shoes that the character wears because that so i have uh, not just on the office but on multiple projects you there will be there i'm sure behind the scene photos where i'm like wearing this wouldn't be the office but like fancy wingtips or something and shorts like shorts like totally (laughs) whatever i wore into work in a hundred degrees summer weather but no i would have a i put on the shoes because the shoe it affects the way you move the way yeah yeah, the way you stand all of that absolutely i'm so so proud of you i'm so happy to hear you say that (laughs) because it really does it matters (laughs) i I don't go in full wardrobe i'll be honest with you about that i don't do that um so I want to talk a little bit about uh, you working with Steve. 
you know, one, just working with him and helping to create Michael Scott through the wardrobe, but also conversations that you and he may have had between like seasons one and two when Greg was looking to to soften Michael a little bit and to make him more likable. The same guy, but yeah. but give a little bit of a reason to maybe root for him. Is there any any specific memories you have about that? Yeah, actually, I was. I feel like I was at the forefront of the synthesis of that because it it was a, a real challenge, and I remember feeling really anxious about it because Ricky Gervais played it so beautifully, and his thing was like that tick where he would touch his tie all yes. the time, and. When we were first having conversations about this, and I remember being in Greg's office and um, looking at the tapes of the original, and there was a lot of talk about like, well, we got to make the ceiling tiles look like this because that's how they had it there. And, and you know, kind of obsessing about like the details of how are we going to make this be like that show. And I remember thinking in my head like, oh gosh, I, I can't do this if, that's, if we're going to try to copy this. I can't, I can't do that. I'll go crazy trying to like figure out the copy, all these details. And so I really, at that moment sort of was like, all right, I got to find my own way. And yeah, with Steve's character, what is it going to be? Is he going to be the same as Ricky Gervais? And I think in the beginning he was kind of more hard. And then I'll never forget. I remember 40 year old virgin came out yep. and I'll never forget. Greg Daniels saw it. And I remember having a conversation with him and he was like, wow, Steve is so vulnerable in that movie. Mm -hmm. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. And I was like, yeah. And it was almost like for Greg, I feel like this moment of like really seeing Steve and all that he could do. Right. Like all that he could pull off as an actor. And I remember sort of being like, yeah, yeah. Like he, he can be vulnerable like that's there that's something we can we can draw on and for me it was and really for all the characters for all the boys um the tie story the tie Mm -hmm. story was what was the flavor of each guy and i think it is for guys like they go pick their tie and that your tie says so much about you but i feel like michael scott in particular like his ties i feel like he thought his ties were really cool, but in reality, they were just kind of these muddy, undetailed, right? Uh, kind of static. Like they weren't, they didn't have a particular voice to them. Okay. Um, and I was really dedicated to those damn ties. Oh my god, I would go to the ends of <laughs> ends of the earth trying to find them. <laughs> and I feel like that, to me, kind of like was his his special vulnerability as a boss. Like he always felt like he needed to be, he needed to be something that he wasn't. He's always trying to be so cool. Like he's always trying to be cool in front of the guys and all this, you know, and um, 
It just wasn't him. It just wasn't him. And so that's what right. that's what makes him so wonderfully funny is um, trying to pull off being somebody that he wasn't. Right. You know, and if he just if he could just like just chill out, dude. Like you don't need to be the, <laughs> be this the everything to everybody. You know, um, <laughs> and yeah, so. <laughs> I think that's where we found his character. And I think it really took off, you know, cause in the beginning too, like the very first episode is the exact same script yes. from the, from the English version. It's the exact same script. And I think that for the writers, I think got to, you know, I think they were like, we can't, <laughs> can't do the exact same scripts. Like we have this amazing cast of people of actors that are bringing so much, right? you know, and I think about like Creed and Meredith and, you know, Kate, like, they were kind of these ancillary characters in the beginning. Right. And they brought so much. They brought so much. And then they became these great, huge characters, you know? So um, I'm completely off topic here, but I, th- I feel no, like that's the no. thing. It's like we were trying to copy, trying to copy the original. And then we realized that we had this incredible gift of talent and ideas. And like, that's where it really just took off. Like that's where we started writing our own scripts and the characters really started to, to gel and um, all these other ancillary characters became so strong and such a delicious part of it. And here we are still talking about it. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. If I could be you. And you could be me for just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. What were a few of your favorite looks that you created? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, I do. I love Jim's three hole punch. Okay. Costume. That was amazing. Yeah. Um, and Angela's all Angela's little kitty tops with a million buttons that we changed all the buttons <laughs> into little kitty head buttons. <laughs> oh. Um, oh gosh. I don't know. I mean, there's so many, I mean, I was thinking about two, you know, the, the episode that we did out in the park with the, the, the sumo um, yeah. costume, the inflatable sumo costumes, and then somebody was going to float out there. Yeah, I mean, Ed Helms floating out there. Oh my god, so many wacky things. I mean, we went to we went to um, Ken Sabornak, and that costume came up, and we're like, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna float Ed out on the lake in an inflatable costume. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like raising my hand. I'm like, wait, 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 uh, what? I don't want to be in charge of this. I will get that costume, but that's not gonna, that's no, that seems dangerous. And so we actually went to Kent's house, his swimming pool. And and we had the stunt guy and I was like, here's the thing. His body is inflatable, which will make his head the heaviest part of it. His head's going to go underwater. Right. Which is exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like stuff like this, like this is the, these are the challenges. So anyways, like that's, then I made a helmet that if you look, the helmet is like this sumo, it looks like hair. It looks like a big, 
like a yes, a bun, but it's actually to bun. keep him alive. It's a flotation device <laughs> to keep his head afloat. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I don't. I, like, yeah, I, all of those things you don't. Then see, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I had no idea you were you were literally designing to save lives. But sure. that should be that should be the new costume <laughs> guild like motto. We designed to save lives. Carrie Bennett. It's just all those challenges that people don't realize that it's it encompasses a lot. Like and and that every single thing that every single person wears is literally thought through, designed, doubled, dyed, altered. It's a huge task. And um it was a huge amount of costumes. I remembered the ADs, the battle plan that they had. Do you mm-hmm. remember? Like they would meet you in the morning and they would have this rainbow colored yes. thing of where everyone was going to be. You're going to go into hair and makeup now and you'll go to costumes and you'll do, you know, it was, it, it was such a tremendous undertaking every day because it wasn't just like talking heads. Like you're talking to this person. There's two people in the scene. No. It was the entire cast in every scene. Even if you're not talking, you're in the background. It was a massive undertaking. Yeah. I don't think we've talked about that enough actually on this. I may do a little deep dive into this and figure out like exactly how this came about because I think truly it innovated television production. I mean, I don't know that there's even been a show that's been as complicated or more but I know that that other shows are using it now. And what Carrie is talking about is the battle plan. You know, it, it was color coordinated by character where you were going to, to be from the moment you arrived until everybody had to be on set. So in hair, in makeup, in, you know, you need a costume fitting this morning. So you have to go to wardrobe or you need to go see props because props, there's a special something that you have to deal with here or wherever else. And so it like took you through the morning. Whereas on most shows, you show up, you go to hair and makeup, you go in your trailer, you get dressed and you're done because there's two, three, four characters usually at the beginning of the day. And they try to spread out people coming throughout the day. That's part of what they do. But on our show, you couldn't do that. Yeah, that was... That was insane. I mean, that true. I mean, looking back at it now. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really a team effort. Like I really felt like we were, it was like a lot to accomplish every day. And we all just, we just did it. I mean, I remember meeting with all of the department heads, production and props. And so we would just like meet in the parking lot before the production meeting and be like, okay, <laughs> I've got, I'll take care of this. You got this, you got that. What's this going to be like? But, you know, we would just have like a quick little, like, right. you know, like that, that was like kind of like our little sort of, you know, how are we going to pull this off? Right. <laughs> you know, the props yeah. guys have to be on set with props, but they also have to be in some cases, either going to buy or create or making yeah. the props oh, yeah. for the next yeah. week. And have you had Phil on here? Have you had we have, Phil we have not had, we have not talked to Phil. Oh God. Okay. You have to have him. Because he and I worked so hand in hand and, you know, we had, again, this comes from like my sort of fear of getting it wrong. Um, And this all started with when we had the fire department came, there was a fire department part, fire department uniforms are really specific to regions. And I was like, well, I'm going to, I really need to get the patches that go for Scranton. So I called the chamber of commerce there. Right. And was like, and got a hold of this woman called named Mari. And maybe I shouldn't say her name, but it she was amazing. 
And I was like, you know, I, I told her the whole story and I was like, do you think, do you, could you give me the phone number for the fire department? Or do you think somebody could go there and take a picture of the patches for me? <laughs> I mean, I just, <laughs> that's so amazing. You know? And she was like, she's like, I'll do it. I'll go, I'll go do it. And she totally did it. She went to the fire department. She took pictures of the patches. She sent them to me. We recreated them. Amazing. And that because she was so awesome, I called her all the time. I was like, "Hey, I need like a delivery service. Is there <laughs> some? Is there someone that you might know, or like a florist that you might know?" And then it just became a regular thing. And then Phil started calling her, and, <laughs> and then she was like, "Lose my number." <laughs> no, she was totally. No, I'm she was so wonderful. I mean, if she's out there, like I don't. I, of course, I've lost track of her. She was amazing. Um, and then she set up. Phil would know. Was it maybe the third season? He, he, she was like, let's preempt our needs here. Because we always needed like daily stuff, like a delivery guy, the radio station, the, you know, right. just everyday things. She set up a thing that they advertised on the radio station out there. Phil flew out there and people came to the mall and offered up their stuff from their businesses, like, t you know, t-shirts from the radio station or what, just so that we it could be super authentic and that That's they, would, and then they had to sign off that we were allowed to use the thing. So he, when I forget, I, I think I was, I couldn't go. I was on, I was doing scrubs. I think I couldn't go. Um, but he went out there and, and when he went, I was like, if you could, I gave him a little digital camera to take with him. I'm like, if you could take pictures of every person you talk to, <laughs> that would be the bomb. <laughs> so he did that. I mean, there was lines of people out the mall. They're the best. He said people followed him into the bathroom when he went to the bathroom. And they were bringing all of their stuff. And a lot of stuff wasn't necessarily needed or useful. Like people, I remember somebody right. brought um, cupcakes with everybody's face on them. Right. I mean, it was amazing. It was totally That's amazing. Awesome. So, That's yeah, awesome. so I have all those photographs, too, that, um, you know, I would, like, take pictures of people in uniform, kids, like, just, like, and I, so I have, I have, like, my office catalog of people, and it just was, like, endlessly inspiring to me, just for those little, little details. But, yeah, when you watch the office, like, a lot of those details are 100% legit. Yeah. <laughs> legit Scranton artifacts. And legit. Well, listen, if you need any more ammunition to have conversations when people are like, what did you do on the office? What, how did you create, like what they just wore suits. Think about the number of times that the writers became obsessed on our show with characters playing other characters, right? So like famously Jim plays Dwight, but Kevin plays Phyllis and Dwight plays Kevin and Phyllis and like everybody basically at some point. And immediately you know who the characters are because of what they're wearing. So I, yeah. if you need any more ammunition than that, you've got it. The mustard shirts, the, the bad textured jackets, the sweaters for Phyllis, I guess the sweaters, the, Phyllis's the, uh, little, her little matchy, matchy outfits, yeah. matchy outfits and sweaters. Um, thank you so much for talking to me, Carrie. I, I appreciate it so much. I mean, the contribution that you have given everyone for the, 
helping to create these characters through their looks, um, which now, as we know, alters behavior is, <laughs> is so, is so important to the entire creation of the show. So thank you one for that. And also no, thank you so pleasure. much Absolutely. Uh, for coming on and talking to me and everybody here today. Oh, I miss you so much. I'm realizing it's just been such a delight to be with you oh. again. Oh, thank you so much. Wow, Carrie, it was so amazing chatting with you. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, as always, I will be back next week with another conversation, this time with the incredible Brian Whittle. What? Who's Brian Whittle? Oh, isn't he a character on The Office? And to that, I say, well, yes and no. There is a Brian Whittle character, but... He was named after the real-life boom operator on The Office. And in true boom operator fashion, Brian has all the stories. He was there with us in the room where it happened, as they say. I can't wait to bring the true Brian Whittle onto the podcast next week. But before I leave you, I have one more exciting announcement. We've discussed it before, but after a couple more conversations here at the Office Deep Dive, I am going to be launching my new podcast, Off the Beat, in February. Now, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm very excited, and it is going to go beyond anything that we have done on here. That's right. I am talking about all of your favorite TV creators and actors, not just The Office. So stay tuned. It will be available before you know it, wherever you get your podcasts. The Office Deep Dive is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Lang Lee. Our producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton. And the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Gangster Chronicles podcast is a weekly conversation that revolves around the underworld. From criminals and entertainers to victims of crime and law enforcement, we cover all facets of the game. Gangster Chronicles podcast doesn't glorify or promote illicit activities. We just discuss the ramifications and repercussions of these activities. Because after all, if you play gangster games, you are ultimately rewarded with gangster prizes. Our Heart Radio is number one for podcasts, but don't take our word for it. Find the Gangster Chronicles podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.